everybody, welcome back to the Bible Tidbits Podcast. This episode is a special episode. This last week, I got licensed to the gospel ministry, and I got to preach a sermon for our church. And so this is actually the sermon that I preached to the church. So this is a sermon about proper worship. I will say that this sermon was recorded on an iPad, so it's not the best audio quality, but I hope you will still enjoy this sermon, and hopefully you will still get something out of it. So enjoy. Good morning, everybody. And once again, it truly is an honor to get to serve here in this church and get the opportunity to preach. There's something about preaching on Sunday morning that I just love to get the opportunity to do. And on kind of the whole life of my journey here, it started out a week before Falls Creek, two years ago. And somebody called Scott Hume, I think it was you, Terrell, called Scott at the BCM at Swasu needing a Falls Creek sponsor. And the week before that, I told Scott, I think I might be called ministry and don't know what I'm doing with my life. I just graduated my bachelor's and didn't know what to do. So I went and was Scott's intern. Scott said, hey, first job is intern. I got a church needs a sponsor. Well, the week after I went to Falls Creek, Terrell called again. And then I came down here as interim and that has led me to here today. So once again, it's a blessing to get to have this. And, you know, I didn't even really know this is what was going on until I was here and I've got to grow through. So, but as I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking, what do I want to speak on? What do I want to preach on this morning? And I was listening to my playlist I usually listen to, and this song came on, on it. And I want to read a quote from this song. It went like this. It says, theology is the study of God and is very important. Doxology is an expression of praise to God. So the point here is that all theology should ultimately lead to doxology. If theology doesn't lead to doxology, then we've actually missed the point of theology. So if you have theology without doxology, you have dead, cold orthodoxy, which is horrible. On the other side, you have the people that say, ah, forget about theology, I just want to praise. But if you have doxology without theology, you actually have idolatry because it's just a random expression of praise, but it's not actually informed by the truth of who God is. So God is concerned with both. He's concerned with an accurate understanding of him and that accurate understanding of him leading to a response of praise, adoration, and worship towards him. And that's by the artist and preacher Shai Lin. I also tell you about what kind of music I like to listen to. But our theology, which is our knowledge of God, is what we know about God should lead to our proper doxology, which is our praise and worship of God. So our knowledge of God leads to the right praise of God. Proper knowledge always leads to proper worship. Knowledge of God that does not lead to him to worship is dead, cold, legalistic view of the Bible. I see this in our world some, and it's definitely something we need to be on guard for. But what I see even more is the inverse of this. It's the doxology without theology. It's the praise without knowledge. And Shailen there said that that's idolatry because it's worship, but we don't even know what it is that we are worshiping truly. And we see this leads to a shallow, overly emotional expression of praise. And we see this in many churches today, many very popular mainstream churches, Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation, churches such as that, where it's all about the praise, but they don't get deep into the word. And as I begin... All we're talking about today is worship. And so I want to define worship so we can fully understand what it means. So worship can be defined as attributing honor, reverence, and worth to God. Again, worship is attributing honor, 
reverence, and worth to God. While singing is a part of worship, and I love getting to take part in worship Sunday morning singing, it also extends to prayer, thanksgiving, financial giving, confession, preaching, teaching, and reading scripture. So as you can see, we call Sunday mornings our worship service because each part of it is worship. From the missionary moment prayer at the end to the opening scripture to every song and word in between, it is all worship, not just a portion. And it should also be noted as we begin that our knowledge and our praise feed into each other. If we're constantly filling ourselves with knowledge, it will result in praise containing more knowledge and truth. And when our praise contains more knowledge and truth, it begins to flow into our very being. I heard um, this one story one time about a Baptist pastor was asked by another denomination why Baptists don't have a catechism. What a catechism is, is basically a question and answer that is memorized to help learn the core truths of the scripture. And one example one is, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You may have heard that. But that's why Baptists don't usually use that. This Baptist pastor responded, he said, we don't need it, we have a hymnal. Our worship is what teaches us so much about who God is through the words of our songs, every bit of it. Whether you like it or not, you're being shaped by what you fill yourself with. Here on Sundays, you're being filled with good knowledge, informed worship from the preaching and our worship here this morning. And don't get me mixed up here. That's not, I'm not preaching a rod about the songs or terrible about what we preach. I'm speaking about our own lives, our personal worship. So what are you filling your life with the rest of the week? Is Sunday the only day that you worship? God desires proper worship. We see this in stories like Leviticus 10 where we have Nadab and Abihu. They offer unauthorized fire before the Lord and God strikes them down and he says he will be glorified. God desires proper worship. And through all of this, we're able to see the beauty of the gospel. It's amazing that God would even allow a sinner like me and you to have knowledge of him and to get the opportunity to praise and glorify him. This beginning knowledge that leads to proper worship is saving knowledge. Knowledge that you're a sinner in desperate need of a savior. Without this knowledge, you will never truly know who God is and you will never be able to honor him by truly praising him. So the truths I've been talking about thus far, they aren't without their scriptural backing. And so today I want to focus on John chapter four. And many of you are familiar with the story. It's the story of the woman at the well. So John chapter four, I'm going to read verses seven through 26. And then we're going to begin to hone in. So John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. It says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. 
The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say it's in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So the story, the woman at the well. Jesus begins this conversation with the Samaritan woman, which we could go into the cultural aspects of how that was unheard of. But this conversation towards the end, you may have noticed, shifts to worship. I start talking about the location. And then Jesus mentions that we are entering a new time of worship. And that's the time we currently live in today. As we see that in verses 23 through 25, we're entering this time of different worship. That's the time that people will begin to worship in spirit and in truth. So let's begin to unpack what Jesus meant by worshiping in spirit and in truth and see how this applies to us so heavily today. Let's start with prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for the opportunity to get to preach your word here this morning, God. I ask that it not be my words, but only your words this morning, God, and may it all go to glorify you, and may it shift our praise to be proper, God, and help our, we have proper worship. I thank you for all you've done. I thank you for all you continue to do. In your name I pray, amen. So the first thing, in spirit, tell us to worship in spirit. So true worship must be in spirit. That is engaging the whole heart. Unless there's real passion for God, there's not worship in spirit. Worship without coming from the heart, from our very being, lacks this true worship. So how often do you worship God with your whole heart? A few weeks back at men's breakfast, Rod talked about serving God with your whole heart. And it hit me hard. That was one of the best devotions I've heard in a long time there. And we need to have the same thing when we worship, to worship God with our whole heart. We see this throughout the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 9, verse 1. I will give thanks to the Lord of my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 111, one, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. And in Psalms 138, one, I give thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart before the gods I sing your praise. Worship in spirit where you give it all to God. This is the type of worship that is desired and this is the type of the worship that we should want to give. Giving God the glory, honor, and praise that he deserves is our joy and pleasure. It shows complete satisfaction in him. And as the pastor John Piper says, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. We only get this joy and satisfaction through offering God praise and spirit because our relationship with him. This is our right response to the work that he has done in us. It is our right response to the gospel is to worship in spirit. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the most miraculous thing that ever happened. More miraculous than the creation of the world. After making everything perfect and mankind messing it all up, God would do something to make it right. He would make a way for forgiveness. 
The way that he did this is by sending his son to live a perfect life, the life of Jesus. And all this imperfection that we have, he took that on. He, he didn't take on the imperfection. He came and lived among our imperfection. And then he was killed on that cross. He didn't stay there long, though. He rose from the dead. And then he says, all that's needed for our salvation is faith and repentance. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is why we praise God with our whole heart, because of the things we have done. God would have been perfectly just leaving us out to dry after the sin we did, but he didn't. He had mercy on us, sinners. We praise him with every ounce of our being because of this. We do this because the wonderful thing that he's done for us. He did everything for us, and that's why we should praise him with everything we have. This is a good time for some reflection in our own lives. If we are truly worshiping in spirit, maybe the full reality of your salvation has never hit you before. And you've never worshiped with all you have. Maybe over time you've just begun to worship less and less. And you're just no longer praising him with your whole heart. If this is you, you need to pray that God renew a spirit of adoration and worship towards him. Maybe you've never come under the reign of the gospel and you need to put your faith in Jesus. Today you need to do that and join the rest of us as we worship God in spirit. And the second part that Jesus says, he doesn't leave it at that. He doesn't say worship in spirit. He says worship in spirit and in truth. He said that there will come a day when we worship spirit and truth. This is this coming age, and that's the age we now live in. Worshiping in truth is properly informed worship. Unless we have knowledge of God, when we worship, there's no worship in truth. We have to have the knowledge backing our worship. Just like was mentioned in the quote before, there's so many that say, forget theology, forget the knowledge of God. I just want to praise. That's idolatry. You don't even know what it is you're praising without knowledge of God. I'm currently taking a Christian ethics course in seminary. And tomorrow I actually have my midterm. So if you have any complaints, please come after 1030. <laughs> but lately we've been talking a lot about the Ten Commandments. And we got so deep in the Ten Commandments. You know, I know the Ten Commandments, but we've taken them so deep. And the Ten Commandments are also known as the moral law of God. And they're still on us today. And I think we could all agree that they are good. But this... When debating right and wrong, you can always take it back to those Ten Commandments. Anything, whether right or wrong, always has the foundation of the Ten Commandments. The first three commandments, have no other gods, have no idols, do not profane the Lord's name. We could also word them as this. We're to only worship the one true God, not self, not country, not the church, only God. We're to worship what we know, not some senseless idol. We're to ascribe things to God's name that are true. You know, we often think of, you know, not profaning the Lord's name as not saying his name in a bad manner, but ascribing anything to God that's not true is profaning his name. This is something I was particularly convicted of a few years back. There's a song that it bothered me, but it was stuck in my head, so deep in my head. And many of you probably know it, but if you're unfamiliar with it, don't look it up because it is so catchy. But that song's called Reckless Love. And some of you might even be humming it now, and it's tough not to. It's catchy. But this song says that God's love is reckless. Well, I, I got to thinking about that. I'm like, well, that's not true. God, there's nothing reckless about God. You know, if they would have switched that one word to the perfect love of God, it would have been a great song. But that's not what they did. It goes against the third commandment, ascribing something to God's name that is not true. It's at that moment in my life that I really started to pursue truth. It was my early years in college. 
and I'd start pursuing knowledge in the scripture. It was also at this point I started to truly worship. Worship was more important, started coming inside of me, and it came from deeper, it came from in spirit, truly. And it was more than just music. You know, worship began reading the scriptures and became praying to me. And admittedly, it was slow at first in my life, but it changed me and it shaped me so deeply and it strengthened my faith so drastically. In Romans chapter one, it talks about people that gave up God to live the way of the world. And actually says in Romans 1.25, it says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. This is how the people of the world are described in Romans. We don't also want it to be describing us, the church. May we never exchange the truth about God for a lie. May we always worship in truth. So how can we begin to fill ourselves with truth so that we can properly worship him? And youth, this is the same points you get about every week because it's the best points ever. The first one is to read the Bible. Many of you know me. No, I'm going to say this somewhere because it's so important in our lives. But you probably know what I'm going to say next. Read all of it. Reading all of God's word gives us such a deep knowledge of everything. And you won't get to get as deep if you read through the entire Bible. I've actually got a few youth over here right now that are trying to read the entire Bible in a year. You can't deep study every passage, but you know so much more over that broad span. And it helps to fill your life with the entire truth of the Bible. And when you do that, when you hear devotions, when you hear sermons, when you worship, and you see where that came from in the Bible, it takes it that much deeper. And there's no substitution for actually reading your Bible. Devotions, some devotion books are good. They don't count for true Bible reading. Real time in the Bible is necessary. And I'm guessing some of these youth over here have actually read books that some of you may have never even read yet. You know, they're in the Old Testament. I think they're coming up on Joshua now. You know, they've read numbers. They've already, they're troopers through that. Reading the whole Bible is so beneficial to us as Christians. And it's the foundation. It's the foundation of filling our lives with truth. And the second one, which is building upon this foundation, reading the Bible, you should do first, but it's to listen to solid Bible teachers. And if you come on Sundays, it's at least once, but we should do more. It says in Acts, they see many of the early church going daily to hear the word of God preached. In today's day and age, we have access to Millions upon millions of sermons. Pretty much any preacher in the entire world you can listen to whenever you want. We have such a great opportunity. We can listen to guys like some of my favorite pastors, such as John Piper and Mark Dever, preach. We can listen to conferences. I got the opportunity to go to Together for the Gospel Conference. And I traveled hours and hours. I paid for hotel rooms. And you can listen to everything I heard right from the comfort of your own home. Fill your mind with truth first by reading the Bible but also listen by, to strong Bible teachers. And I also want to kind of group in this category, you know, if you're reading your Bible daily, maybe also you want to read some good books. You know, there's no way we can go listen to a Charles Spurgeon or a Jonathan Edwards sermon, but they're all sermons are all written down. We can read them. There's books that are commentaries to help us get deeper into the Bible. We can use these things to help strengthen that knowledge we get from reading the Bible, which is our foundation. Listening and reading from strong Bible teachers that teach the true gospel is a way that we can grow in our knowledge of the truth. And the next one, which is pertained to a lot, because often when we think of worship, we think of singing. The next one is listen to strong biblical music. What we sing gets ingrained into our mind. 
I would guess that every single person here in this room can quote more song lyrics than you can scripture. And that's just how our brains are wired. So what if these song lyrics that we remember are ingrained in the truth of scripture? What difference would that make in our life? And I'm not saying only listen to old hymns. There's plenty of modern songs. That quote from the beginning, you may have guessed it, but that was actually a Christian rap artist. And he's, his goal is to fill his rap with the truths of scripture so that when people are remembering his rap, they're remembering these truths about God. You know, there's, there's bands such as Sovereign Grace Music that take a more traditional style to modern music. There's any type of good God-centered music you want. You just have to find it. Music is a large portion of worship and it shapes our lives in the proper way. And I also want to say it's through music that we are first attacked by false teachers. They lure us in with enticing music and then expose us to these destructive heresies. And one example of this is this band called Elevation. Their music, I've never heard anything bad about their music. You know, I don't listen to them a lot, admittedly. But there's no, been no red flags or alarms for me. But they have concerts. And in these concerts, you get to hear their pastor. His name is Stephen Furtick. And I don't think it's the greatest thing to call people out, but don't listen to this man. You go to their concerts, hear their good music, but then they expose you to that false teaching from him. And even I've fallen victim to their schemes by them rebranding different things under different people. What we sing matters. What we sing matters. It's where false teaching sneaks in. It's what gets ingrained in our mind. Then the final one is to really understand the gospel. To really understand the gospel. We could go on with these things that help us get our mind ingrained with truth. But when we work to really understand the gospel, we're filling ourselves with the greatest truth that there is. Many people have put their faith in Jesus and still really don't understand all the truths of the gospel. And as a Christian, we should be able to know the gospel clearly so we can explain it to other people. The gospel, we see that Christ or Man messed up in the beginning. God created everything perfect and man messed it all up. Then we see God sent Christ to make a way for forgiveness. And this all rests in our response of faith and repentance. God, man, Christ response. It's a simple thing I use to inform the youth about the gospel, but it's so much truth. And filling our mind with truths of the gospel helps us to fully understand what happened to us at salvation. It helps to fill our minds with this truth, the most core truth, of our faith. There's many other ways to phrase the gospel. We don't have to use those four specific points. But there is no other gospel than this one. And we need to ingrain our mind in it. And we must too realize that this knowledge alone does not save. Demons knew who Jesus was. Satan himself quotes scripture in the Bible. He probably knows more scripture than we do. It's not of knowledge alone that we're saved. It's faith and repentance that we're saved. Understand the gospel so we can worship in truth. The core truth that I want you to understand this morning is we're to worship in spirit and in truth. We're to have proper theology and proper doxology. We're to know God and we're to praise God. And these things often feed off of each other. They influence our growth in the faith. And when we worship, we should worship with our whole heart, giving it all to God. And that worship should be properly informed based on the truth. If we desire to serve God the right way, we should desire to worship him the way he wants to be worshiped. 
He doesn't desire to be worshipped in songs that are merely catchy or sermons that are just entertainment. He desires to be worshipped through the truth of himself with the entirety of our being. And don't get confused on who this message is for. Again, I'm speaking to everyone here today. This is for all of us, our personal worship. Worship is attributing honor, reverence, and worth to God. We should do this daily. You're in church here about one hour a week. The rest of the week is 160-something hours long. We should do this every day, worship God in a proper manner. Without these things, the worship in our life is either dead, cold legalism, or it's idolatry. And this isn't a new teaching. Rather, it's a very old one. We've got to worship in spirit and in truth. And at the heart of this is the gospel. The gospel is the reason we offer this worship. It's our salvation. And today, if you want to put your faith in Jesus and be forgiven of all your sin and truly worship God, don't wait any longer. I'm going to be praying here in a moment. And if that's you, come right after I'm done praying. Jesus gave his life so that we could be forgiven and have the honor to praise and worship him. So if that is you, be saved today. There is no secret formula to salvation, just like there's no secret formula to worship. Salvation is found in faith and repentance. True worship is found in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, and I just thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for giving me the honor to come and worship you through the preaching this morning, God. I ask that here in a moment, God, after I'm done praying, that people would just respond. Respond by singing truths, God. Respond by coming and praying, whatever they need to do, God. I ask that you would move in this room. I ask that if there's anybody here this morning, God, that has not put their faith in you, has not come under the truth of the gospel, that they would do so today, that you would call them to yourself, God. You are so good, God. And the worship of you is the best thing ever. I ask that you be with each and every one of us and help us to come and join together in proper worship, God. To worship you the way that you desire. Not the way of the world, not the way that seems enticing, God, but to worship you in the proper way. Once again, I just thank you for you working in my life and the life of this church, God. Help us to always align our worship to you. Help us to never fall away from that. In your name I pray. Amen.